0: You're listening to a podcast from the Fred Hollows Foundation, New Zealand. To find out more, go to our website, www.hollows.org.nz. So far on this podcast series, this Ongoing conversation with a range of different eye health professionals from across the Pacific uh, and working with the Fred Hollis Foundation in New Zealand. We've been sharing voices that have been predominantly uh, either Auckland focused or or very much uh, Pacific focused. So I'm very pleased to be able to present uh, to some of our listeners a voice from Papua New Guinea. Uh, The guest today on the program is Melissa Gong. Melissa is an eye nurse. Uh, from the Fred Halls Foundation New Zealand Clinic in Madang in Papua New Guinea. Uh, she actually was coming to Auckland, uh, to New Zealand, to present some of her work at a Ransco conference in Rotorua. Uh, and so she was sharing some of her findings and her experiences of the challenges of, 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 of delivering eye care, of overcoming some of the cultural issues, of overcoming some of the logistical and resource issues that, that one faces in trying to do this work of reaching the blind people, finding them, convincing them to come to the clinic, and then making sure that, that they can deliver the very best quality care to people in Papua New Guinea. Uh, so Melissa was was uh, taking part in this conference and sharing her knowledge and learning from others, and so we're very pleased to be able to have this opportunity to share some of Melissa's thoughts, but um, Melissa is unique and inspiring in, in so many different ways and we're very pleased to share some of her, her experiences with our, our listeners today. But it's also important to point out that Melissa has been on both sides of the equation. Not only uh, is she an experienced and compassionate nurse who, who goes out to some of the most remote parts of Papua New Guinea to deliver care, going upriver in floods, pushing through to find the patients and bring them into the clinic. Um, and and she has a huge wealth of expertise to share with us on uh, on those experiences but but what's more she was also a patient with the Fred Hollis Foundation in New Zealand she was uh, at a very young age as a working as a nurse threatened with blindness she had an eye disease called pterygium, uh, which uh, would have eventually led to to uh, full impairment of, of her vision. And so what's extraordinary is that, that Melissa was working as a nurse and um, managed to come in contact with uh, the proper eye doctors and proper uh, professionals who could help her uh, to get her sight and stop it from from deteriorating further. So um, we're very pleased to be able to share Melissa's voice uh, and share Melissa's stories. But, but most of all, we wanted to hear, um, you know, first of all, we wanted to hear about what it was like for her Um, finding out that at a very young age, as a nurse, she was threatened with a um, a blindness from an eye disease called pterygium.
1: I didn't have that intention of becoming an eye nurse myself, but then I was convinced by one of my doctors. I was a patient, actually I was a patient with pterygium, and then I went in for, I almost got blind with pterygium. If, um, If you look at my eyes, you can see big scars there. So after I had my surgery, uh, my doctor encouraged me to join the I team because there were applic- uh, positions going out for INSS. So he told me that, oh, we have Fred Olo's Foundation within uh, Modelon Hospital, and they're trying to set up, and they want the eye nurses. so I decided to apply for that position. And you
0: were... Already a nurse, is that right, Melissa? I was
1: already a nurse, just a general nurse. But I was working for private and church-run health centres.
0: What was that like when you found out that you might lose your sight? Were you scared of going blind at such a young age?
1: Well, I didn't know that I was going to go blind, but um, it was very uncomfortable. Like, especially when you're out in the sun, you see that you can't even see anything because your eyes are just, like, uh, photophobic from... Just looking at the sun. There's too much glare. And uh, and then I felt that my eyes were, like, every time I see that my eyes were really red, <laughs> you can feel it's uneasy. That feeling was uneasy. And I was told that if you don't get your operation done, you'll be, it's going to cover all your pupil and you'll be blind. It will come across your cornea and then it covers the pupil up and you won't see. I had bad terrygumes, so... I decided to go in. Finally, I decided after some years, and then I said, anyway, I have to have it done.
0: What was it like for you as a patient? Were you anxious about the surgery? What was the whole experience like?
1: It was new, but then because I had this word blind, getting blind, I decided to have it so that I can see. I don't want to be blind when I'm very young. Because
0: you were already a nurse, you would have been familiar with the whole experience of surgery, but what was it like for you when you went into the surgery? Did you know the doctor? What was that whole experience like? Yeah,
1: it was, um, the doctor is one of the national, and personally I know him, like he's a family friend. So I went in and then he reassured me that everything will be fine. And I had the injection and I was like, uh, I thought, they will give me a general anesthetic, but it was just a local, and then I had it around my eyes, and it was only the eyes that were numb, like anesthetized, and I was still looking up and seeing all this blade going to and fro, scraping off my, uh, the growth. But um, I didn't feel scared. It was all right. I knew that it, it was for my own good.
0: And when you yeah. decided to go for the training and become a nine nurse, what was that experience like? Were there people who weren't as enthusiastic as you? Did you have to overcome any skeptics or, or any sort of discouragement? No,
1: I didn't have to ask them. I was like the boss of my own, so I did my own thing. I decided for myself, so I just went. I said, this is the opportunity. I want to advance into the other field. Instead of being uh, just a general nurse, I am in general So I decided to take this up with encouragement from the local ophthalmologist. I said, okay, I'll join." Many of
0: the nurses with the foundation already have families and children. What was it like for you? Did you already have a family when you decided to become a eye nurse?
1: I already had my uh, girl, little girl. She was eight. And then um, I had to send her home to my family so they can look after her while I go in for the study.
0: And did you see her from time to time? Um,
1: only the first time break, it was in around June. And then I decided to take her over, bring her over to the town, so I can find a rental place that I will move her into that place. And then, yeah, I brought her over. So I looked around for a place to put her, and she was there with my other uh, biggest sister. So she was taken care of, and I had time to visit her during the weekend. So it was all right.
0: Yeah. And what's it like, Melissa, working in eye care in Papua New Guinea? You guys have a, a really special team. Do you get treated with extra respect around the hospital or, or even in your community?
1: Well, um, we're always proud because we have, um, like, our facility is quite different from the general nursing. So we do extra things that a general nurse can't do. So like we do reflections and they come in and they see, we say, we are using our own terms to say things. And here they are, they are lost and they'll be saying, hey, what's a cylinder? What's a sphere? And what's this number? And all this. So like it makes us feel proud that we we have a facility that they don't know. And do
0: some of the younger nurses outside of eye care look up to you? I mean, do they ask you questions about eye care and do... Are you a kind of a mentor when they
1: see us they feel that oh we are very special and they want to be in our shoes because they see us going for outreaches you know we are traveling here and there and like when when they hear that oh this one is going to say australia or they're going to india Fredolos is sending them there then they'll be saying wow we should just join in so that we can have the chance of going overseas yeah so we feel more special than them.
0: And what's it like for you, Melissa, to have these these international professional experiences to travel to places like Sydney and, and Auckland and, and to be part of this international network that's helping each other?
1: Um first of all I've I've been to Sydney which was like interesting, which was um, it was my it it was a new experience for me, which I I feel that um it's something new and you know, if I was to be in the, like, public um, setup, just doing uh, general nursing only, I wouldn't have the chance of going for such things like this. But then when I joined the IK, care, it was a privilege for me, I would say, to be exposed to such travels like this and meetings, conferences and all this.
0: Despite the extra resources that you might have in eye care, doing your job is, is not easy. Can you talk about some of the challenges that you face in either getting to some of the outreaches or even even confronting some of the cultural issues that you have to deal with in, in getting people to come to your clinic?
1: We have all the resources available in not in terms of uh, equipment but say medication is alright because Fredolos is always supplying and we have the stock on end so um, but Especially for outreaches, we have lots of challenges like finance and um, geography is one of the problems that we have to you know go and find our way through to where we are trying to go so it's a little bit hard for us, especially when we are doing outreaches. Um, patients stand up and all these patients some patients they think that oh it's uh, it's all its thing and we're not supposed to be getting treatment for this. Or sometimes their family don't allow them. So you go there and you find out that you've screened them, but then they don't show up on the day of the surgery. You have a good uh, list for surgery, surgery. And then you find out that out of the 10, maybe six are there and the other four are not there.
0: And what are these people being told? Are they being told, don't trust the eye doctors? I mean, why are they not turning up?
1: Um, I think. Generally, it's um, the, 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 I mean, the family, they're not supportive. Sometimes they, they think that, oh, I have lots of things to do. I can take you there, and it's just old age thing, and you don't need to get treatment for this. It won't help. So that's the mentality. Maybe we need to do more awareness or, so that they can, they'll be aware of what the outcomes will be.
0: Beyond some of those cultural issues, can you talk about some of the physical challenges that you guys face in terms of the geography of getting to the outreaches or getting the patients to come to your clinic? Uh, is it ever dangerous for you guys when you're out on outreach? Do you ever feel um, at um, risk? Not. It's
1: not, uh, it's not quite dangerous, I would say. But just the, say if it's raining, you don't get in, got, I mean, get to the place in time so you'll be working on the road and trying to get the vehicle out of the mud and all this and sometimes you're traveling up the river like uh, we had a um, interesting outreach in daru western province where we had to for the screening we had to clear all the the debris in the river because it was flooding and we were trying to go up the river to the place where we're supposed to be doing the screening and then it took us like two hours to just go up there because we have to clear our way and get to the place where we're supposed to be doing screening. So this, uh, because of the geography, we have challenges.
0: Melissa, for many of our listeners, uh, their perceptions of Papua New Guinea will be shaped by some of the sensationalism in the media. It'll be about you know the rascals and and the dangers of Papua New Guinea. What's it like operating in a country with that as a backdrop. Uh, Do you ever feel like that that there is a real danger there or is it really just uh, sensationalism?
1: I think there is. There There are some dangers when you are traveling around but maybe because we are locals doing outreaches and we are going out we don't encounter problems like this. It's okay when we are going out for outreaches. Maybe some areas of Papua New Guinea they have this but Generally, the places that we've gone to, we haven't encountered any of these problems. At
0: the end of the day, the work is really about helping the patients. Can you talk about or share with our listeners an experience or experiences that stand out in your mind, experiences where you've seen the impact that the work is going to have and, and the change it's going to make in somebody's life?
1: Okay, uh, I've, I've seen lots. We have uh, patients like blind with cataract and then you when you do surgery on them, you find that... Uh, when they can see, the next day, you see tears coming down their face, and it's very, like, um, emotional.
0: Yeah. And what does the name Fred Hollows, the man, mean to you? Does that inspire you in any way in the work that you do? So,
1: I mean, when I look at Fred Hollows, I, it, it sort of gives me this um, idea that it's because of him, uh, we continue to restore size.
0: You're listening to a podcast from the Fred Hollows Foundation, New Zealand. To find out more, go to our website, www.hollows.org.nz.